0: Hey guys, this is my leak. This is the My Taught You podcast and I am back today with a super fun, I'm sure it's going to be fun, interview with Kimberly Foster. If you are not familiar with Miss Kimberly Foster, she is the founder and editor-in-chief of For Harriet, a multi-platform digital community for black women that has millions of visitors a month. Uh, Kim founded for Harriet in 2010 and is a leading voice for black women's journalism and storytelling. Kim began for Harriet while she was an undergraduate at Harvard university. Since then for Harriet has grown, grown to become a preeminent destination for black, for black women online. Um, Kim's site has been featured in the New York Times um, and was chosen as one of the 15 must-share websites of 2014 by News One. Kim also writes, she re- she has written for The Guardian, Newsweek, Quartz, and Fortune. She has appeared on HuffPost Live, NPR, MSNBC's Shift, BET.com, and many local radio stations across the country commenting on culture and current events. Um, this is one of my favorite uh, stats about Kim you probably don't know this Kim but in 2016 she was selected for Forbes' 30 under 30 media list and tapped by Huffington Post as one of 25 black founders making moves in tech. She has been recognized for her work at Harvard and regularly gives talks at universities around the country. She holds a degree in African American studies from Harvard University. Kimberly welcome. Hey thanks for having me. And I should have said and and you're like 20 Did you turn 27 yet? I am 27. <laughs> I'm like I just uh, super accomplished, super smart. Um I met and everybody knows that the rule for this podcast is that I have to have met you. So mm-hmm. I met you. Was it this year? It was this year, I think in April. March, okay. April? yeah, yeah. We yeah, we spoke on a panel together and I was like, "Who is this little ball of fire?" Um but I Kim I think the the work that you do is absolutely amazing Mm -hmm. um but something that I'm super obsessed with that you're doing are these videos like you you kill these videos what made you start doing that because were you were you always the face of for Harriet or did you start coming out to do this
1: no so for years um, mm-hmm. People accused for Harriet of actually being owned by white people like hmm. I used to get so many comments we'd get so many comments on the Facebook page and and comments on the actual site like why are y'all supporting this? you know that this is owned by the white man And <laughs> because for Harriet is' very progressive I'm a I advocate very strongly a progressive feminist viewpoint and a lot yes. of, and a lot of people, uh, have their conspiracy theories about that viewpoint and, and who might support it. So for years and years and years, I made it a point not to be the face. I didn't want to be. You've had Nicole Bitchy on your, or Nicole Kane, who used to be Nicole yes. Bitchy on your site. Yep. Um, I did not want to do that. And then recently, a couple of different people have said, like, Kim, like, every time I talk to you, it's like I get... Um, it's like a lecture, like because for a long time I wanted to be um, a college professor, and so I kind of yes.
0: I, uh, okay, I could see that. I'm sorry. I'm like, yes, girl, yes, I could see you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, and so I was just talking to another YouTuber, and she was like, when I was talking to her, and I was like, I naturally speak in academic jargon. I naturally just speak in these sentences that I know people <laughs> think that it's really strange and that I'm really trying hard, but these are the first words that come to me. Okay, and. So I, I, yeah,
0: I love, I mean, cause you will cut people up and I was watching, what was it? I was watching your um, watching a couple of videos and there are some that I want to talk about, yeah. but you, and I had something, you were like heterosexist and I'd made a note to look that up. I'm like, this girl is always bringing it. Yeah. Like,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm like, no, she is not playing with you, but. So people were accusing you of like, this has to be, uh, white-owned. why don't. So, so at what point did you say, all right, let me show my face. and Yeah. Show yeah, yeah.
1: Now. So, um, actually, mm-hmm. you know, I've done a couple of videos throughout the years, but I was never consistent with it because I just didn't want to commit to being the face. So right. in August I was going through a really bad breakup. This is a, the real story. So I was going okay. through a really, really bad breakup and I was just looking for a distraction.
0: Okay.
1: Um, and I was looking for a distraction. And... This this is just a recent, this past August? Yeah. So literally, oh, okay, okay. I started to get really consistent about the videos in August. And so I decided I wanted to do something new. The b- b- Just writing wasn't doing it for me anymore. So I decided, okay... I'm going to do these videos. So Mm -hmm. the Nate Parker situation was happening and everybody was writing about it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't want to just, you know, contribute another think piece that nobody's going to read. So I decided to just sit down in front of the camera and, you know, talk it out and um, really articulate like really clearly my stance about why I will not be supporting the move the movie and hopefully mm-hmm. the people who you know don't read think pieces like that and essays like that might be more willing to engage with the thoughts via video. And so that's really what started it and that happened in August
0: wow I mean and not to be shade on the fellas but you see what happens when a breakup happens I feel like every time I have had a bad breakup is that I, I just I come back bigger badder, stronger professionally so
1: yeah yeah no that was my thing I just I said you know this man is going to see oh this is really petty
0: and this she, is, right this, this is, is what not- you missed out on <laughs> catch this face catch this eye roll <laughs>
1: And I always feel like I've been thinking about this and I feel like it's almost anti-feminist. Anti-feminist a little bit, but I really was like, this man is not gonna be able to escape. Like he's gonna see me.
0: Yes. So, yes. <laughs> no. Don't listen. I always say that like a part of my success can be attributed to someone telling me I got dumped when I was probably like around twenty. This guy dumped me because he was like he was concerned that I wasn't going to be anything, and I was like, honey, I will show you I am everything. Yeah. Um. He dumped me for someone who was like pre-law, which I've told this story a million times, but like, yes, if if that is, motivation is motivation. I don't really care yeah. how what form it comes in. Um, so that is awesome. One of the videos that um, I really liked, I like them all, but the one I kind of got into is We Don't Care Why You Don't Date Black Women.
1: Yeah, that was
0: a big one. That was a big one. People were really into that. Like, um, I didn't know that Ayanla had a show. (laughs) You cracked me up when you're like, Ayanla still ain't fixing nobody's life. Um, But uh, these guys who are saying that they don't date black women, why do you even think that's still a conversation? And do you think it's starting to become a conversation the other way? Because people always ask me about me dating out of my race. And it's just like, why is it still? Why do you think it still matters from that direction?
1: Okay. So why do I think that men are saying that they don't date black women? Yeah.
0: Why? Yeah. Why do you think that people still feel the need to say this?
1: Oh. Okay. Well, like I said in the video, I think it's really normalized and in some ways encouraged to shit on black women. I hope that I can cuss. Okay. Yes, you can. Okay. Be
0: you. This is the be you. Yeah, yes. yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so. Um, there's so much positive reinforcement for black men to say whatever negative stuff that they want to about black women. And mm-hmm. so. I think that these men feel like they feel entitled to just voice all of this foolishness, voice all of this bullshit, and they don't expect any repercussions for that. And so one of the reasons why I did feel the need to say, like, no, 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 keep it to yourself is mm-hmm. because we do need to start telling these men to their face that they're raggedy. Like, it really <laughs> bothers me. It really bothers me that men can say all of this stuff, and then, and then we as women are expected to coddle them and be like, no, 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 here's why you're Like, actually, I don't give a fuck why you're wrong. You're raggedy (laughs) and leave us alone.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. That's it. Absolutely. You're like, that's it. Yeah. But also the part that I liked is that um, the the conversation that you started to have about the data and it just says that we get married, but we're just getting married later. And I think that like so many people, I'm 37 years old and I probably am just settling down ish, you know. Um, And I think that that that's just because I have so many other things that I've wanted to do professionally um that if any like if the relationship wasn't flowing properly it was a distraction and I just needed to move on from it but you're 27 now do you feel pressure because I have so many girls who write me who feel like they're behind in life because I mean I feel like you're you are definitely professionally accomplished but do you feel this pressure of like will I ever marry oh
1: totally yeah yeah I've really had to confront that recently working through this last breakup okay um yeah. I do feel pressure because I am at an age where everybody is, you know, getting married for the first time. For the <laughs> so, first time.
0: So.
1: <laughs> this is true. And so, mm-hmm. um, there's just so many people around me and my social circles getting partnered up. And, yes. you know, there was, um, I retweeted a tweet weeks ago about, you know, somebody was like, do you know why women are so focused on getting married and so anxious to get married? Because Mm -hmm. society doesn't celebrate anything like they celebrate a marriage for a
0: woman. This is true.
1: And you know, despite all of the things that I've achieved, which, you know, whatever. Um, But (laughs) whatever people feel like I've achieved, or however professionally accomplished people feel that I am, I am Mm -hmm. absolutely susceptible to messaging that tells me that my life is incomplete. If I Mm -hmm. don't have a man beside me saying, I love you, I want you, everything that you do is fantastic.
0: Oh, I know. And I I know, and I really don't. Uh, I had Lovey on and we talked about that too, how these guys that, you know, you've got I don't know if you' do you if you follow this you probably don't like these Instagram love relationship gurus that are actually single um yes. that have <laughs> that have all these followers by basically telling women like what they should do to be with them it just it literally grates my nerves,
1: yeah, they're so popular and yes. like one of them like just got divorced or whatever like, it's like <laughs> you know but. but Um, I think they are, I really blame the men in those situations, the Steve Harvey's, but, and I really am empathetic to women who are following these men because they're, we're really looking for the keys. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) like, Like, I understand that
0: yeah right it's like i'm willing at this point kind of willing to try almost anything and i just think that the truth of it is is that you're everybody's getting married later not just black women everybody is getting married a little bit later Mm -hmm. um but i want to talk about like you were saying that like you know you know i have accomplished a lot of things do people think this do you believe that you have accomplished a lot kim do you
1: (gasps) are you (laughs) kidding no i say this all the time um I am incredibly ambitious. I feel like I haven't achieved even, I haven't even chipped away at my dreams. I feel like I haven't even achieved a fraction of what I hope for my life.
0: And Uh so so
1: it's really strange. You know, just recently somebody tweeted me like, your life is goals. And Mm -hmm. and I almost feel bad now because I replied something very snarky to her. And I know that she Mm -hmm. was being very... Genuine about it, but I'm like, yeah. my life, I'm, my life is not goals. My shit is not together. <laughs> um, I, I go to sleep every night thinking like, oh shit, like I didn't get to this. Like, how am I gonna get to this mountaintop?
0: Right. And do you? I mean, how much sleep do you get? Do you wake up early? Like,
1: I am trying to adjust my life to waking up early. Like, I cannot function without sleep, so I make sure to get six or seven hours every single night. But okay, I am trying to adjust my life to make sh- make sure that I am like up and doing things by like six, six thirty 30. So that, I- cause I am more productive at the beginning. Yes. Of the day.
0: I think so too. I am, I have been an early bird for quite a while and I feel like you get more done. And I like the idea of being able to send emails to people and they don't respond right away. You know, if yeah. you, when you email during work hours, it's like you can get on that hamster wheel, but if you can get some stuff out early, Um, you should be, you should be fine. But, uh, is there ever a point where you, I guess I talked to some other people about imposter syndrome and do you ever sort of struggle with that or suffer from it? Like, like who does, who do, who do you think you are? Because when I watch your videos, I'm like, I mean, I think I see the future you, I see where you're going. When I see those videos, I see, I see this huge, big, bright future.
1: I do not suffer. I do not suffer from imposter syndrome. Like, okay. No, 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 I think <laughs> I believe in my heart that I can do. I can do whatever I want to. Like nobody believes in Kimberly. Like Kimberly and I. Okay. I, and I have had to develop that because as a as a protection, because I think that a lot of black girls know that if you dream big and you tell people mm-hmm. that you want to do all of these things, then they will people will try to swoop in and tell you, like, here's why it's not possible. Even people who care for you will try yeah. to do that to you. So I have developed as a defense mechanism this understanding that I contain multitudes. I can do whatever I want. Sometimes I worry like that I I need to get myself together as in I need to be more disciplined to make sure that I can fulfill my potential. Like, that's a real thing that I struggle with, but not okay. like I can't do it.
0: Right. At what point did you feel like, you know what, I made it, you know, cause we talked about I'm new money, this and that was oh. that, what was, what was the thing that you felt like, Oh my God, I have arrived.
1: I don't feel like, oh my God, I have arrived, but I will say that professionally, my Mm -hmm. proudest moment was getting on the Forbes list because I had dreamed about that. Okay. And the road to that, they would, you know, send you emails like, send us a headshot, fill out this questionnaire. Like we want to know more about you. And I told them, I was telling the person that I was dating at the time as I was going through this process, like they keep emailing me, like they keep reaching, like this is another, like another step, I hope. Um, so when that happened, Mm -hmm. um, I was really, really excited just because so many people I admire have, you know, accomplished that. So that was really one thing where I was like, oh, like I was feeling myself for a minute. Were you? Yeah, I was. And then I had to remember, like, I haven't done shit, so.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, you have accomplished a lot. I... I, I want to know your process because I want to know your process when you started um, because you started this when you were still in college.
1: I did. Yes. And
0: so many people, and you went to Harvard, which I'm just going to guess is hard. It's, I would, if, if I had to assume I'm going to be like, it was hard.
1: It wasn't easy. No.
0: Right. So, so many people will say they don't have time. You know, I can't, come up, you know, I can't work on my business or I can't work on something because I have to work all day, but you are in school.
1: You know, I think that starting something while you're in school is actually easier than starting something when you have a real job, honestly, because Harvard is difficult. You are surrounded by just the most ambitious freaking people on the planet um, and that's actually one of the reasons why I was motivated to start the site. I think when you are surrounded by brilliance, when you're surrounded by excellence, and all of these really hungry teenagers and young adults who are telling you how they're going to change the world, you you have to look at yourself and be like, oh, shit, like, what am I going to do? I don't want to have to come to reunion and be embarrassed. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, junior spring, the spring of my junior year, I really didn't know what I was going to do. That's the time when, um, people are, you know, applying to law school and taking all of those tests and stuff. And so I decided that I did not want to do that. And I didn't really want to go to, um, to graduate school. So I just started using all of my free time, which was actually a lot and just you know, sitting down and planning like this space for black women that I wanted to create. And, you know, honestly, in college, we I did have a lot of free time because at that mm-hmm. point I was for lots of reasons, I was avoiding doing actual schoolwork. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it really the that balancing act in school was like that was the easy part. It was when I was okay. trying to balance having a real job and run the site. that that's did when you, the you, did you have a real job? You got one? I did. So my school timeline is a little crazy. We don't have to get into it. But um, (laughs) after the spring, I mean, we could, but we don't have to. After the spring of junior year, I was asked very politely by Harvard not to return in the fall. (laughs) Very
0: very politely.
1: Very very nicely. Um, So I took two years off, um, went back and got the degree. And then after I got my degree, my mom was like... If you're going to do this site, like, you can't come home. Like, you need to have a real job. Oh, wow. And so, which, which, like I said, you know, the people who care for you the most are going to be the people who try to, right. you know, put some doubt right. in there. Right. Um, so I came back and worked at Farmers Insurance as a liability adjuster
0: for six months. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow, their, Kim. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, I could just hear you on the phone now. <laughs> oh, oh, it it
1: was a struggle. So <laughs> <laughs> um, I worked there for six months. And during that whole time, I was plotting and saving my money and working on okay. the site. Um, and then... I, it was in February, I got my tax return, like, f- did my taxes, got the tax return money back. Literally, the day that I got my tax return money back, I put in my notice. Look at you. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> You're like, this is enough. I'm good. Yeah. And actually, I didn't even, I didn't even do complete the two weeks. I was, like, I was going to try to do that. But then I was like, why
0: am I, Damn. I have to do. So I'm going to go now. And right. You're like, I was trying to be courteous and give you all these weeks, but I'm out, actually. I
1: really was. I mean, that's another thing about the discipline thing, but yeah. Okay.
0: So after you quit, like, how did you put together your schedule? Because there's one thing when somebody else is telling you what to do during the day. Like, was it difficult for you to then set your day up? Uh, Yeah, and
1: I, it's still difficult for me to set my day up, Um, mm-hmm. but... I knew that, I mean, it's. I was motivated by the fact that my mom didn't let me move home, so I was living with my aunt at the time. Um, I wanted to move out, so I knew I needed to do whatever needed to be done <laughs> to to make for Harriet a success and move out. So that was writing from sunup to sundown. That was recruiting other um, contributors. That was trying to find an assistant. Yeah, I just worked okay. all day. That was my That's, schedule.
0: Right. And as far as putting a team together, was that difficult? Was it people who were were people who were fans of the site willing to help? Did you have to go out and find people? Like, how did you put together your hashtag squad? Which is yeah. So the first (laughs) your
1: squad. Uh, Yes, you're so connected. Yes. Um, (laughs) So the first person that I hired was somebody that was like, it looks like you need some help. Here's how I can help you. Yeah. I mean,
0: that was really it. Yeah. No, but I love that idea. I I like the idea of there are at least three people that are working for me that literally did just that. Like they didn't wait for me to advertise that I was looking. They just hit me up like, this is how I could help your company. Mm -hmm. So yeah. mm -hmm. And she did it.
1: And it was so, she turned out to be so amazing because she really was great at knowing my needs before I could even articulate them. And so um, she was just a fantastic writer and so organized and helped me try to, juggle all of these things that you're responsible for if you run a business, especially if you're a new business owner. Right. Um, and it was really great. And that's really how it happens. People reach out to me and say, I write, will you look at this? And I say, no, thanks. Or I say,
0: oh, okay. Like let's
1: work something out.
0: Right. Are you a good boss?
1: No. Well, I'm trying. To li- okay.
0: <laughs> Nobody is. Don't feel Please. <laughs> I've never talked to anybody who says Yes. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs)
1: No, I mean, listen, managing people is not my favorite thing in the world. It's Mm -hmm. not. I don't like it. I I try to do, I'm trying to do less and move to trying to do less. Um, I wish I was less of a control freak so that I would be comfortable, um, you know, doing less of the day to day and of that stuff. But no, I'm, you know, I'm still trying to figure my own shit out. And so it's really difficult being responsible for my shit and your shit.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So is everybody pretty remote uh, with yes. you? Yeah. Okay. Everybody and we all we check in via email, via okay. Slack. Yeah. What are some of your favorite, I mean, since you're working in the cloud, what are some of your favorite sort of like resources? What what is something you couldn't live without? Oh, now Slack has become
1: indispensable. Is it?
0: Yeah. Really? I literally, I have all these magazines. I just saw the cover of like an ink from like two years ago that was like Slack is going to have companies do away with email. And I'm just like, how is that possible?
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, I mean, I used to, email used to be the bane of my existence. I mean, I used, I literally used to have anxiety and I still do a Mm -hmm. little bit, but now I don't have to deal with the people that I'm working with emails on top of the external emails. I gotcha. Mean, it just line, streamlines everything.
0: Okay. So is it all the team? I tried Slack. I have tried every single thing out there, Wonderless. Slack, everything. And I'm, I guess I'm old school. Like one of my mentors, she still calls people on the phone. So I think I'm old school in the fact that I still like email, I guess. Because it's like, what do you, like how do you, Save information, or is it just literal conversation?
1: I mean, it's threads. I mean, you can have threads for every, you know, separate parts of, okay. of your company, and also you can do, you know, private threads. Okay. Um, but I do sometimes say like, we need to get an e- like an email <laughs> chain for this going. You know, yeah. occasionally, yeah. but okay. I I just really like being able to go to one central location.
0: Gotcha. Are you starting to work more on your personal brand? Like since you've come out since the breakup, like do you have some, uh, some goals for that? Yeah,
1: you know, um, I really reached a point right before, well, the breakup lasted for months. So there was a point during, in the middle of the breakup where <laughs> I was just really, and I still kind of feel like burned out on For Harriet. Like um, I didn't know, and I'm still trying to decide where I really want um, that space to go. And so Uh I decided to focus more on finding my voice and hopefully in doing that, that will lead me to, um, the, the ultimate path that I want to take for Harriet on. So yeah, I've been working on what do I want to say personally as Kimberly
0: Foster. That's awesome. Did you feel, um, because you work all the time, do you feel like it's difficult to have a relationship when you are someone that works all the time. Do you feel guilty?
1: Yeah, it's definitely difficult. And you know, I um I don't want children. Okay. And being in relationships makes me understand why I don't want children because it is very difficult to try to balance your needs and your goals, these goals that you've had for years and years and years, Mm -hmm. trying to care for the emotional needs of somebody else. It's very difficult.
0: Right. Yeah, I know. Uh, It's difficult. It's a struggle all the time because people talk about this mythical thing called balance. And I always say that like, there's always going to be something on the floor. If you are juggling all these balls, like if I'm, if I'm on top, if everything is, is, is popping in my life, I haven't been to the gym in two weeks. You know, if, if every, it's just something is always on the ground. And I used to feel this guilt when I was your age and trying to date, I felt like the guys would make me feel guilty about how often I would work or how late I would work or if my phone rang. And I I was just at that age, I was like, I got to take the call. You know, it's like, I am establishing myself in in this field and I have to work, you know, but, they just didn't seem to get it. And there was this thing of like, and I don't know, this is, I felt like the guys and I don't know if they still do this, but like wanting you to prove yourself as a woman, like by doing silly things like cooking and cleaning, like that's not what I, that's not what I do.
1: You know, okay. Um, yeah, This is th- that is not what I do either. <laughs> but I would say even progressive men, you know, one of my litmus tests is I am a very, I cannot stress it enough, I'm a very serious feminist, very okay. outspoken feminist. And I cannot date anybody who doesn't know that, understand that. We have lots of conversations about that early on. So, okay the people that I date generally understand that I'm not a domestic type of person. But I do think even though we had that, that foundational understanding, we are still, men and women, are still socialized to believe that women are supposed to be caretakers, and that right. it, and if I don't make myself available to you all of the time, that I am neglecting you. And so my personal ambition, Kimberly's personal ambition to, you know, reach this mythical mountaintop means that you're going to interpret that as Kimberly doesn't care about you, or Kimberly right. is neglecting you, or that, you know, I'm not meeting your needs in some way. And so it's still difficult, no matter how progressive we say we are. Are to move away from that socialization.
0: It's, it's different. It's tough. It's, it's really hard. Yeah. And trust- yeah, I know it's like, I, it is a daily struggle for me to sometimes be like, I should be paying attention. You know, I'm that person that's like the day before, um, you know, my boo will tell me, I guess he'll mention to me that he's going out of town maybe a couple weeks in advance. And the day before I'm like, wait, where are you going? <laughs> What are you doing? What are you doing? I'm like, oh my God, what are you doing there? You know, I was like, because I'm, because I'm paying attention to, to my things. And so it's hard, but I feel, I I feel lucky in that, you know, I have just stayed true to the fact that I cook when I want to, Mm -hmm. um, nobody's like, I have a housekeeper, I'm not cleaning up Mm. and I'm just going to continue to be me. And I'm going to just continue to be me until I find someone that sticks versus trying to twist myself into something that I'm going to eventually, I can't, I can't even keep it up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to, to move into that space. I think that um you know the 20s are for learning you know I'm yes. learning a lot of lessons <laughs> yes get those lessons <laughs> so yeah no I think that's that's goals for me it's just really yeah. being comfortable like with whomever I'm partnered with and being like okay this is it like I mm-hmm. care about you um and not making not apologizing you know no. not,
0: yeah No, no, you can't do it because the thing is, is you can't keep, keep up, keep it up. Like I can do it and I can pretend for like a a week or a month or two, but you can't make it a year doing these things that just don't feel good to you. And I just think that over you. There's somebody out there that that understands it and gets it and is fine to let you stand out front and you know to make a lot of the decisions. Like um, I was on vacation with uh, my boo, I guess maybe a month or two ago, and, and this couple was like, "Oh, we can tell she's the boss," mm-hmm. you know, trying mm-hmm. to be cute mm-hmm. and nosy at the same time, mm-hmm. and he just turned to them and was like, "She's a great boss." <laughs> oh, <my laughs> you know, deep. how cute. <laughs> Yeah, like cut it out, you know, because it might be something of like, I typically, I'm the, like, I like to be in charge. I like to know what's going on. I, I'm holding the passport. I, I got it together. Yeah. And he's just like, he's like, we let you do that because you want to do that. Like, it's not even worth arguing, but people will try to make you feel bad about it. You know, it's like, get over it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, But I do want to know, and these are just personal nosy questions what are your favorite vacation spots like where is Kim when Kim's like it's time to take a break where is she going
1: I don't take vacations that's not what,
0: <laughs> what? yeah good for you good you should not going I took no vacations in my 20s yeah
1: what I have stuff to do <laughs> there
0: you go but where are you like I mean if you're if you're going on a working vacation or you have to visit because I know you do speak at different schools like uh-huh. when, when you when you're going to what city you're like okay this is going to be it
1: Um, I really like Washington, D.C. Yes. Um, but like, I don't really, I'm, I'm, this is another thing that is a problem in interpersonal relationships. I don't really just hang out a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I don't.
0: Right. But you do have girlfriends because I've heard you, I've seen you tweet about that and you were saying Malia needs some black homegirls. So you do like, what do, when the girlfriends get together, what are y'all doing? Oh, okay.
1: Um, so, okay. This is, so me and my friends, we do plan trips occasionally. Like we're planning to go to New Orleans for New Year's Eve and stuff. Um, and we just had our fifth year college reunion. So what do we do? We, we, We do what we did in college, which is lay around and gossip and (laughs) watch TV together and comment, make snarky comments and eat. And like, and I, I'm not a going out type of person, but occasionally I will go out to be with them. Okay. Um, but yeah.
0: Is that just not your personality or do you feel like I should be focused on my work?
1: um it hasn't been fun for me honestly since That's fair. since like sophomore year in college since I was like 19 I just mm-hmm. remember just being going out and just like standing around and being like what this is stupid like why are we doing like why are we doing this this is absurd oh. um, the <laughs> the I mean I had like a little tiny like Mini wild period when I was taking a break from college, where Mm -hmm. I just wanted to experience what it's like to just go out and go to the club. And so I had like a club every weekend period for maybe about six months to a year. Mm -hmm. But after that, I was just like, why am I doing this? You're spending the money and you're getting dressed up to hang out with men who aren't that cute and they don't, they're not your type. It just, one day something clicked for me and it was just like, this is not fun for me. I just want to be at home.
0: Yeah. (laughs) That that happened to me. I I, I never, I'll never forget it. I used to, like, I tell people when I was in my early twenties, I partied my butt off. Like if, if, if a party never saw me again, it would be too soon. But Mm -hmm. I remember going to this one club and I felt like, I felt like the DJ was playing the same music in the same order and the same people were there. And I was just like, this is not, there's nothing new and exciting about this. Yeah. It's the same thing over and over again. And then I used to feel like partying on the weekends and trying to like, it would take me till four o'clock to get, to, to get over a hangover. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I was like, like, I'm wasting a whole Saturday or Sunday like four o'clock is when I can finally pull it together. And I was just like, I don't have that kind of time. Yeah.
1: You know, one time I heard um, T.I. say something like, you know, I see Mm -hmm. all these people in the club on the weekends. Like, what are you celebrating? Yeah. (laughs) Like, yeah. Like I'm not really where I want to be. Like I need to be working. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Yes. Okay. Another question I have for you, Kim is one book or a few books, every black woman should have on her shelf.
1: Oh my gosh! I was just thinking about this. Okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I absolutely loved "Redefining Realness" by Janet Mock. Okay, I think that one of the most important lessons for any black woman is learning the value of self determination, of creating your own identity, of creating it in spite of what anybody else has to say about it, and that's really a central theme of that book. Um, okay. And of course, she does it through the lens of. Of transness, trans identity, but um, right. Anyways, it was wonderful. Um, another book I love. There's a book called um, All About Love by Bell Hooks. Okay. And um, of course, I revisited it recently, and it's really you know Bell Hooks is the love of my life. Like I, she's I love her so much. Okay. Just because of the way that she can articulate these really really complex these thoughts and emotions, and so basically it's outlining. Why, what the love that we're looking for should look like, you know, Um, I think that, you know, women in lots of ways are just socialized to believe that one, that love is going to cure all of our ills. Like Mm -hmm. once we find this, and if you're, this is, you know, not to be heterosexist again, but (laughs) (laughs) yes. Okay. You just, how to use it in a sentence. Um, (laughs) But as a, a straight woman that you believe that finding the love of your life is going to tie up. All of the loose ends in your life—that you know—all right. of the emotional traumas that you've experienced throughout your life—are going to be healed by mm. this, you know, love. So, um, bell hooks really breaks down why that is not the case. Why the love that we desire and the love that we most need is the love that we create. Um, mm. And um, what? Oh, so I'm of course a, a feminist. So Patricia Hill Collins, um, Black Feminist Politics, was really essential okay. to my political formations. Um, uh, what else do I like? Oh, um, When Chicken, When Chicken Heads Come Home to Roost by Joan really? Morgan. Yeah. Yes. I love that book.
0: Okay. Why, wait, why I did you Because know, I, I don't, but this is the thing and and I'm... You're, you're laying out all these books and I don't have any of them. That's why I'm like, I'm take feverishly taking notes because I'm like, Kim is saying that every black woman should have these and I don't even have one, but I did see the one with Janet Mock that I wanted to get that one. So I'm, I got some books to buy when we're done. Oh. So when chicken heads come to roost, yes. I think it's just, I've heard of this and I heard of the title and I think because I was, Ignorant. I'll just say it. Like I don't think I even knew. I'm like, oh, that that's not a title that would probably move me. I'm obsessed with business books, as you probably know. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that is. And actually, what I, one of the reasons why I love your podcast is because <laughs> you have so many recommendations about things <laughs> that I wouldn't necessarily venture into. Yes. I thought,
0: yeah, I'm taking notes on your books now. OK, so but,
1: what did you? Um, And then my last one is going to be Sister Outsider by, oh, wait, there's more. Well, Sister Outsider by Audre Lorde. Of course, The Color Purple by Alice Walker. I also loved by Alice Walker in search of. Our Mother's Gardens. So basically these are all like feminist texts, like black feminist slash womanist texts. Okay. (laughs) Um, um, And I just, I love to, I spend a lot of time thinking about my politics and thinking about my worldview and trying to solidify Mm -hmm. that and challenging myself and questioning the things that I encounter. And one of the things that Black women's literature, specifically feminist and womanist literature does, is offer me space to really sit and think and and wrestle with these really difficult questions. So that's the stuff that I gravitate toward.
0: Nice. I'm glad. So I will put these in the notes, um, the books that Kimberly says every Black woman should have on her shelf. I love this, Kim. Um, So before we get into, so every guest has to answer three my taught you questions, Um, things that people ask me, but I always like to get your perspective on them. But there was something when I was doing my research on you, um, I read the transcripts from your NPR interview. Does leaning in actually work for women at the starting line? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, do you remember that? Because you were still in college when you did that. Yes? I was
1: still a senior in college. That's when I went back to finish. Yeah.
0: Oh, yes. They had when they did they invite politely invite you back.
1: Yeah. Well, to come back, I had to prove that I was going to actually do work. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> right. OK. So I, I love the conversation that you were having. And there was something that you said about um, they asked you this question that said, 20% of so-called Generation Y women, that's your generation, said that they wanted to follow in the footsteps of female leaders in their workplaces. Um, and they ask you, why they, why do you think that was? And something about, did they feel like the cost is just too high? But you were saying, um, I think that saying the stresses that trying to play a game that wasn't necessarily meant for women to win, seeing those sorts of stresses of trying to pursue a career and balance the family and juggle all of these different things. It just made me think that life is that life is not appealing. I want to be free. I want to be flexible in my career and I want to be able to make my own rules and set my own agenda. Mm-hmm. Um, that way. Wow. I know. And I was like, look at you in college. And then, and then, but it's like, I always say people should declare their intentions is like, and then, and do that, you know? And I was like, look, you said this in college and this is what you're doing. Yeah. Wow. I, I was maybe 22. Go, go 22. Look at oh, you yeah. 22. Yeah. And it's just this thing of like people are who, who they always are. And so um I know it was all this thing about, you know, black in the workplace. And I know you probably specifically feel that way, but I would say maybe, 60 to 70% of the emails that I get are about women struggling in the workplace because they're black, you know, how people uh-huh. treat them, um, having to work so much harder and, you know, people thinking that they're angry. And I, honestly, I just had a situation today and I'm obviously not asking a question. I'm just we're chatting, but uh-huh. I had a situation today where I just moved into a new professional space and I have been saying to the neighbors that are you know my Caucasian neighbors hey um we're moving in we need this and it's like nobody's listening to me it's it's like uh, as a black woman I'm trying to be nice I'm talking to them like I would talk to anybody but today I had to go off and now everybody's listening, and I'm just like, and now I'm looking like, now I got a jump and jack flash, and now I look crazy and angry, and it's almost like you wanted me to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 so so I'm always just like, I don't it, it it is the toughest, you know, when people are constantly asking you about your hair. Did your hair grow? You know <laughs> i i it, it's so tough or or what hairstyles are professional, you know, and I imagine you probably you have some of that that goes on on your site.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. People come to to um, air those frustrations and, and have a safe space to really work through some of the, the microaggressions that they encounter.
0: Yeah, that is just, I'm not into it, but yes. Okay. Anywho, I want to get into these questions. I want to get your opinion, uh, Kim. Mm-hmm. Uh, at any point in your life, have you ever felt consumed or paralyzed by fear? If so, how did you manage it and move on?
1: Um, I deal with a lot of anxiety Mm -hmm. from day to day. So I'm just somebody who just suffers from anxiety generally. So one of the ways that I do manage that anxiety about, you know, small stuff from like, how am I going to tell this person this bad bad news via email to like Mm. much bigger stuff, um, is I do something that I learned in therapy called self-talk, which is like, what's the worst that could happen? Like, what are, why are you afraid right now? Like, what are you worried that the consequences will be? And so that's really what helps me manage my just anxieties from day to day is just being like, what's the worst that could happen? You know, like (laughs) you, they say yes, or they say no, or they might react, you know, violently, but (laughs) you're going to be fine. Right. Yeah. So Yeah. yeah, I make sure to reassure myself
0: that's, I love that. I love that so much. Um, and I always like to answer the questions too, because people ask me, but I think that, um, I don't know that I get paralyzed, um, by fear, but I, I, or that it consumes me, but I am like a natural sort of warrior. Like I think my mind naturally sees everything falling apart. Like I can imagine, I I can look at something and see the all sixteen worst case scenarios like in a second. And so I usually I think that that helps me professionally is that I just work back from there like i think about everything that can go wrong and and don't allow those things to consume me but put things in place so that i don't you know i'm not blindsided by something it's like i try to be realistic about what things are um and then do that but yeah i i'm not a huge fan of like emailing you know bad news or having to give bad news but it has to be done
1: i think a lot of successful people are warriors so I, yeah yeah Cause I wake up in the middle of the night sometimes and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah,
0: they do. And so even my therapist, she says, you know, she talks about my worry, but I tell her I'm an active warrior. Yeah. If, if I'm worried about it, I'm doing something about it. Right. I'm not just sitting there worrying. Yeah. Um, I, I'm worried and I will get up at, I just was up this week. I will get up at three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning and I will start working. If I can't sleep, I have to get up and do something about mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Um, I, I just not going to lay there. Um, next question is what are your favorite podcasts what does kim listen to
1: um i listen to i love i'm a malcolm gladwell stan
0: same i love
1: malcolm gladwell
0: he's so good you you sort of remind me of like you could be the young black version of him just i don't even want to put that out there but i know you don't want to (laughs) but i'm doing it this is me (laughs) But <laughs> I could see that I could totally see that because just the way your ability to tell stories when I watch your videos. But yes, I'm a huge, I'm a huge Malcolm. I stand for Malcolm. Yes.
1: Yeah, so revisionist history is absolutely yes. fantastic. Amazing. Yeah. Um, the other, of course, I listen to the read because I'm, <laughs> I'm ratchet and vulgar. and um, I love them. Okay. And, um, what other podcasts? I love Oh, that. I love, um, the long form podcast. It's a podcast about, they talk to writers and people in media. About, really? Yeah. 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 It's really, really interesting. Um, I love to hear just stories about from reporters. Um, yeah. so that's interesting. Um, What other podcasts? I listen to a lot of the NPR podcasts. Too many to name. But basically NPR is like the goat of podcasts. They have podcasts basically on everything, on business, (laughs) on finances, on politics. I listen to all of them. Oh, and there's a podcast from Bill Simmons Network called Keeping It 1600, which they go into. um, One of the hosts used to be President Obama's chief speechwriter. Oh, wow. And so I used to want to work in politics, like be um, a political consultant. So I really love to hear the inside baseball political uh, commentary.
0: Nice. All right. I um Some of mine are I love Cheryl Strayed. Do you know Cheryl Strayed? Yes, actually just got into her. But yes, I do. I do love her, her, she, like my favorite book for a long time was tiny, beautiful things because I just, I love advice. Obviously I love to give it and I love to read it. Um, but I love her podcast, dear sugar. Uh, I like listening to every now and then, like if I'm on a long road trip, I'll listen to the read. Uh, my boo really likes the read probably more than I do. He's a huge, like he listens on his own. He's like, he's like, they really hate uh, the Kardashians. Yeah, they do. Yeah. (laughs) That is like, he, he has gleaned that from there. Um, and I, so I, I, that one too, but, um, I like Freakonomics radio. Yes, That one is good. Mm -hmm. Obviously I love Malcolm Gladwell. Um, and then other than that, uh, Tim Ferriss, sometimes like Tim Ferriss had this one episode with, um, I'm not sure, Guru. What is his name? You know, Tony Robbins, mm-hmm. and that was just so legit. So, um, those are like my mains. And then every now and then, if something pops up, I'll I'll listen to it. But I I have a, like the attention span of a gnat, so I really mostly Deer Sugar. And then when cereal was popping, yeah, I was into it. I wasn't. Uh, did you get, did you get into this last? season? I love the first season yes. of cereal. free Adnan. Yeah. That was what yeah. I liked. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah. but the second one, Bergdahl, I couldn't. Yeah, I couldn't do it. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't get into it. Oh, okay.
1: I also Wait. love one called, and this is another ratchet vulgar podcast called The Bodega Boys, which oh. has um like Jesus <laughs> Nice and the Kid Miro, which okay, okay, as nobody would expect that I stand for this podcast, but I love them and it's a it's so funny. But you know, not safe for work.
0: Okay, the Bodega Boys. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna listen to that one uh, later today. Um, and then this is the last question for you. So my question is how did you find your voice Um, or were you always as vocal as you are? Do you have any tips for me? That was for me, but I'm asking you. (laughs)
1: Um, Okay. So I have always been the girl who talked too much always. Yeah. (laughs) So I think even if you were to go back to like elementary school, people would say, Oh, that's Kim. Like she talks. (laughs) Um, But I have refined my voice in the past few years, you know, the transition to adulthood has forced me to, as my politics is, have changed, as mm-hmm. my relationships as an adult have changed, um, I've been forced to go back. And that's one of the reasons why I read a lot is so that mm-hmm. I can get a lot of clarity about how I feel about a ri- wide range of things and learn more and make make sure that I'm speaking from a knowledgeable place. So right. really, I've, found my voice through looking to other people and and um, reading other people's work and um, really sitting and, and being quiet. For I think for me, as somebody who naturally talks a lot, the mm-hmm. time that I spend with myself being quiet and thinking through things is what's really helped me find my voice. Okay.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Um, I think you and I, I, I thought about this. If I—if you and I were the same age, like we probably would have been good good, good girlfriends because mm-hmm. I too can chitty chat quite a bit. I, mm. I think I've, I started off really shy and then I think somewhere um, as I got a little bit older, I didn't like being shy. Oh, me
1: thought, too. Me too. I used to yeah. be so, my mom put me in acting classes because I was somehow shy, like <laughs> when I was really,
0: really young. Yeah. And then yeah, did
1: not shut up.
0: Yeah. And I, I didn't like the fear that I would get, like, I could feel like the fear or like sort of the anxiety about the fact that I was so shy. And I just, I don't know at what point, even as a young girl, I was like, I got to do something about this. Mm -hmm. So I started doing like public speaking. I started doing student government and I just was like the thing I'm going to run towards the thing that scares me most. And so, um, I, I started just like basically using my voice. And when you use your voice, you find that you say things that sometimes piss people off or offend them Oh, Um, and every now and then I would like feel bad about like dang I shouldn't have said that or I didn't say that correctly but it's just like if I'm using my voice I have to accept the fact that I can either shut up and never offend anybody yeah or I can talk and be me and when I mess up I can apologize but I gotta do me yeah you know you're
1: absolutely going to be wrong sometimes as somebody (laughs) who speaks a lot in public you're absolutely going to be wrong you just have to accept it
0: yeah. Or I'm going to, you know, have or people sometimes don't give you the right to change your mind. Like, yeah. you know, if I could tell you all the stuff I said I was never going to do that, I'm that I've done. um, It's just like as we grow up, we learn that, like, I feel like our truths should change as we grow. Like the stuff, some stuff just doesn't stay true forever. Yeah. Um, but so many people are like, but I said I was going to law school, so I now have to do it. It's like, just because you said it, if you don't want to do it anymore, say that, yeah. you know, that's another um, thing that I really admire
1: in Gladwell and also in Coates. like they mm-hmm. are people who are very much open to changing their minds and, and revising their positions when they're given yes. new information. And that's so critical.
0: Yes. And you, you can do that. And so that's just the thing that she says, like, do I have any tips? I would just say that like a part of your, you know, using your voice is just realizing that you're going to probably get some stuff wrong. That's okay. You can change your mind. Um, and you can be wrong. You're going to be wrong and just fix it you know but don't not do anything because you're so worried that you're gonna piss people off and I always say that if you haven't pissed anybody off chances are you aren't being uh, your authentic self Mm -hmm. everybody is not going to like you yeah and that's okay
1: totally Um,
0: you're not for everyone you're not for everyone thank you so much Kim do you want to give the where can we find you what you're working on next give us give us the the Oh,
1: you know. Okay. So um, you can find me on Twitter at Kimberly and you are
0: so active on Twitter. Kimberly yeah, in foster
1: in foster. I tweet a lot just because I have a lot of thoughts. I have a lot of feelings. So I need to tweet yes. them out. Um, and that's usually that's literally where I am all the time. Or okay. or people, I get a lot of emails recently, I guess, because of the videos. So people send yes. me emails at Kimberly at
0: That's it. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Kim. No I'm problem. so happy to have you here. That is it for us, guys.